In the game of life, maintaining a healthy lifestyle and nurturing meaningful connections with family can be among the most formidable challenges we face. Now we have a great relationship and we're super close, but it's never fun to be beat by anyone when you're a competitive person, but it's especially not fun to be beat by your younger sister. Yet for many professional athletes, fostering both has proven to be a triumphant recipe for success. There's just so much joy in watching your kids thrive and what they accomplished through every level was just, it was kind of mind-boggling for us. I'm John Frankel. For the past two decades, I've traveled the globe covering some of the most impactful human interest stories in sports. On this show, I'm sitting down with some of the biggest families in the game, the legends, current superstars, and the up-and-coming playmakers to understand what's really making them tick. What can pro athlete families teach a new generation about the importance of caring for your health and finding success in the face of adversity? Together, we'll hear stories of their remarkable comebacks, setbacks, and the crucial role their family and self-care played in their paths to championship glory. This is Heart of the Game. Water polo is considered one of the most physically demanding sports on earth, and with good reason. The agility, endurance, and strength needed to compete at a high level in water polo is off the charts. Aria and Mackenzie Fisher know full well how tough it can be. The sisters from Laguna Beach, California, are two of the most accomplished players in the history of the sport, each having won Olympic gold medals playing for Team USA and also multiple national championships at Stanford. For the American fans counting down the clock to a gold medal performance by the USA. The sisters learned their sport at home. Their father, Eric Fisher, led Stanford's men's water polo team to consecutive national titles in the 80s. Their mother, Leslie Fisher, also played the sport at Stanford. It would seem success at water polo was inevitable for the Fisher siblings, but make no mistake, they put in the work. Honestly, within the first year they were playing, I could tell that they were gonna be pretty good. The sport brought all three closer together as Eric used his experience to guide his girls as they reached the pinnacle of water polo at Stanford and at the international level. They were teammates, but also pushing each other. I think it was a natural draw to want to be like him and to play water polo and go to the Olympics. But I would say more than anything, I was chasing Mackenzie throughout most of my childhood. It was definitely more of like a younger sister chasing the older sister situation and just wanting to be like her, but also wanting to be as good as her. The lessons learned in and out of the pool paid off for Aria and Mackenzie Fisher in ways that extend far beyond Olympic medals and collegiate success. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We are pleased to have the Fisher sisters, Aria Mackenzie, very accomplished, perhaps two of the most accomplished water polo players in the history of the sport. And we know that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and we'll play on the pun of the Stanford tree for those who don't know that the tree is the mascot, even though they are called the Cardinal. And by that, I mean that mom and dad were also water polo players, and dad Eric is with us. So thank you for joining us. But I want to start with you, Eric. Given the background of being in the water, I assume that you wanted your kids to at least be comfortable in the water. So did that involve, at a young age, just throwing them in the pool and seeing if they would sink or swim? Or were there formal lessons? 
it were forum lessons, but it was a goal for Leslie and I to make sure the girls were comfortable in the water. A, because we like doing a lot of water sports and B, we live in Laguna Beach and going to the beach in the ocean is a popular thing for families to do and you want your kids to be safe. Did not personally teach them how to swim. We used uh, people who do that for a living and uh, have the right disposition to do that in a good way and keep them happy. As a fellow parent, I understand that completely. <laughs> did you want them to swim or did you want them to play water polo specifically? We wanted them to play a sport. I didn't have ambitions for them necessarily to play water polo. I was thinking it would be fun for them, but you know, it's one of those sports that you kind of have to fall in love with and have a passion for because it's not an easy thing to start off in. It's kind of frustrating and it's not for everybody. And so it wasn't a water polo or only thing, that's for sure. There was not a master plan here between <laughs> marrying a woman who also plays water polo and we're going to breed children who play water polo. <laughs> no, that would be pretty presumptuous, but we did want them to uh, be athletes, you know, just because the the value and the lessons and that camaraderie and that teamwork and the discipline, all those great things just from sport itself. Why don't you guys tell me what water polo is? Like if you had to look at the rest of the landscape of sports, give me the combination of the sports that water polo encompasses. Yeah, I think that how we normally describe it is it's basically basketball in the water with soccer goals, and then you'll throw a little bit of wrestling in. I think <laughs> those are the three sports I would, or even, uh, I guess, handball too, European handball. It's pretty similar to that. Eric, what makes a good water polo player? Well, you got to be tough. Or else after the first practice or two, you're just going to take your suit and go home because it is physical. And sometimes it's a little shocking to people. You have to be able to process things quickly. You have to see what's happening in the game and understand patterns and make quick adjustments. So it's a thinking person's game too. So you have to be able to think. Obviously, you have to be a good swimmer and coordination is important. Throwing the ball, passing the ball, you know, trying to get a shot off while someone's holding and grabbing you. So physical strength is very important. And I think that's that mental toughness is really the thing that keeps you going. Aria, when did you recognize that you might actually be pretty good at this game? What I've always been good at is the mental side of it. I make a lot of jokes about how I'm not as athletic as Mackenzie, and I still stand by that. And not saying she's not mentally tough, but what I've always had to do is be super mentally tough, be super determined. And honestly, like my dad said, I just didn't really take no for an answer throughout my career. And ever since like I recognized that in myself and had that kind of nurtured by my dad, I knew I could succeed in the sport because I knew I could work harder than people, be more determined than people, and kind of just outlast people in the sport. You were best suited for which position? You played... I played center, so that's kind of the position where you get drowned and, you know, it's the most physical position in the sport, in my opinion. Um, Mackenzie will have a different opinion because yeah, she, she just raised defender. her eyebrows for yeah, those I at saw home listening. Well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the position, it's like a basketball center where I'm in the center of the pool and then everyone else is around me and they're trying to get the ball to my side where I have position and I'm essentially wrestling like actually wrestling in the water, trying to hold position in front of the cage. And then when I do get position, the ball is tossed into me essentially. And then I have someone on my back, like a backpack, and I have to try to score with that person on my back. Mackenzie, your position is what? 
center defender. My position is to guard the people like Aria, so the centers, to make sure that they're not scoring. Aria McKenzie, do you remember the first time that you played a competitive game of water polo? It's not like you stumble around pools and see six-year-olds picking up a game of water polo. Yeah, I kind of got tossed in by accident. I was at this tournament watching McKenzie play with the 12 Nunders, and I was eight, and one of the girls got injured, and they physically needed another person to be in the water. And so I just got tossed in, and I don't really remember much about that game, but I survived, so. <laughs> oh, you were chomping at the bit to jump in and play. She was, she was all suited up, waiting on the sideline, probably hoping for someone to go out. She was so eager to play water polo. So I'll backtrack a little bit. The timing thing wasn't necessarily for Mackenzie as far as swimming. It was to keep Aria from starting water polo too early because she just kept wanting to play. and we kept, I, I really didn't want them to start too early because... In a lot of sports, kids start so early and they burn out so quickly. So I really wanted them to start much later. Mackenzie started at 10, had this time that Aria needed to hit before I could consider her to play water polo just to kind of keep her at bay a little bit. But she finally broke the time. And so at nine years old is when she first played. Mackenzie, how much did you know about your dad's success in the pool? Yeah, I think I knew that he was an Olympian, and I knew that was cool and something that other people thought were really cool. But I think that kind of everyone grows up just seeing their dad as just this ordinary person. So it it didn't feel that crazy to me until I started to get a little bit older and realize how hard it is actually to achieve what he achieved. And, you know, he has all his Olympian buddies that he's always hanging out with. So it just seems like, you know, everyone's an Olympian. Um, At least in your family. Yeah. <laughs> in your family, Maybe you've so. got three Olympians. <laughs> yeah. Ariat and Mackenzie, you're certainly not the only siblings to compete in a sport. It doesn't always happen that they reach the elite level that you guys have. But Ariat, did you feel this competitive drive that was being passed down from your dad to your older sister and that this was something you had no choice but to take up and be good at it? It was a natural draw to want to be like my dad and to play water polo and go to the Olympics. But I would say more than anything, I was chasing Mackenzie throughout most of my childhood on to probably too late in my life being competitive with her. And so it was definitely more of like a younger sister chasing the older sister situation and just wanting to be like her, but also wanting to be as good as her. Mackenzie, did you feel that? Did you feel her in your wake? <laughs> and lots of sisters don't want their kid sister hanging around and being friends with all their friends. Did that play into this relationship? Oh yeah, 100%. When I was younger, I think it was definitely a little bit more contentious just because I wanted to have my own thing, my own friends, do my own thing. And, you know, Ari was always nipping at my heels and she was really good. So she was always playing up as well. And so even though, you know, age groups are normally delineated by two-year age gaps, which is what Ari and I are, so technically we shouldn't really be playing with her. She was always right there, right behind me. And, you know, it's never fun to be beat by anyone when you're a competitive person, but it's especially not fun to be beat by your younger sister. Were you scared of that, that she would actually not only keep up but surpass you in the pool? Oh, yeah, 100%. And as we got older, we kind of started playing opposite positions as well. And when I say older, I mean like high school age. So now we have a great relationship and we're super close. And I think that sport contributed to that a lot, especially as we got more mature and realized, oh, this is actually pretty cool that we get to do this together. But 
early days in high school when she was a center and I was a defender, anytime she would score on me or get me ejected, I would be so freaking mad. So, yeah, no, it was definitely frustrating. And she's really good, too. So it happened quite a bit. <laughs> Aria, were there fights outside the pool when you took your bags and you went home? Was there yelling and screaming at one another for upping one another? Yeah, I think that... Eventually, we just banned talking about water polo because it did get a little... Sometimes we would take it home with us from the pool. And I think in general, the sport of water polo is like, it's not objective at all. Like, it's a very subjective sport in terms of like what's legal and what is not legal. So it's very easy to like go down that path of like, I'm right, you're wrong, especially when you're sisters. (laughs) Yeah, the banding happened at the dinner table. (laughs) Was that your rule, Eric? Did you lay down the law? Yeah, we'd naturally talk about this. and, And most of the conversations were actually pretty fun. But there was a period of time where the dinner conversations, when they were going at each other, it just became ridiculous. So we said, all right, we're just not going to be talking about water polo at the dinner table anymore. <laughs> but because exactly what they're describing, you know, uh, you did this. I didn't do that. You were faking. No, that was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I got that a lot. <laughs> Eric, you pointed out very definitively that you did not teach them to swim. You left that to the professionals. Correct. But when it came to then learning water polo specifically... You then stepped into the role as coach. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. That was something that I was pretty passionate about. For me, it was really important because I could teach them at an early age the fundamentals and the things that I felt were going to lay a foundation for them to be successful in the sport should they enjoy it and want to continue and have a passion for playing it. Ari and Mackenzie were quick studies. They started playing at the club level before joining the team at Laguna Beach High School. Mackenzie, the older sister, joined the U.S. national team at the age of 16. Aria was not far behind. And Eric, when did you see that Mackenzie and Aria had real potential and they could take this sport and go someplace with it? Honestly, within the first year they were playing, I could tell that they were going to be pretty good. They were really good at 10 under, 12 under, leading their teams, but 14 under, they just... They put so much space between themselves and the other players they're playing against. And I think that's when, that is actually is when McKenzie started getting noticed by the national team staff. When you say they separated from the pack, does that mean that they were essentially unstoppable when it comes to scoring? Is that where they stood out? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say they were dominating, especially on the scoring side of things. So before it was, they were scoring a couple goals a game, but then it was started to be like five, six goals a game and kind of like consistently through like a big tournament where we're playing the best teams, you know, in the country. And that, that's when I was like, wow, okay. Their runway to take this sport to a high level is, is pretty clear. Reaching the Olympics is the ultimate goal for many athletes, especially in sports like water polo, which don't have lucrative professional leagues to pursue. For the Fisher sisters, climbing that mountaintop came very early. Ari and Mackenzie won the first of their two Olympic gold medals at the 2016 Rio Games, before either was old enough to legally drink. It was impactful in many ways for Eric Fisher, who'd gotten so close in his Olympic moment in 1992. Eric, given that you didn't win a medal at the 92 Olympics in Barcelona and finished fourth, Did you have any words of advice for Mackenzie and Aria when they went off to play in their first games in 2016 in Barcelona? Other than you better come home with a medal. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the only thing I think that I might have talked about is what I've talked about with some other people who have gone there is that, you know, you really need to just kind of 
try and relax, especially in that first game, because some people think, oh, you got to get pumped up and fired up. I think it's the opposite when you're at the Olympics for the first time, because there's so much adrenaline running through your body and so much excitement that you actually need to calm yourself down so you can you don't burn out in the first three minutes of the game. But uh, just trying to relax and enjoy the moment. I think maybe the other thing is talking about, hey, you leave it all out in the pool. At the end of the day, you're a winner no matter what. You know, that's what your job is, is just to do everything you can to help your team win and be successful. And if you do that, you're going to win no matter what the ultimate result is. When we were growing up, we could see the pain that he felt from getting fourth in his Olympic games and how much he wanted that final game back. What was imparted in me from a young age and what continued throughout my entire career was making sure that you're putting everything into the game, into the pool, so that when the game does end and if it didn't go in your favor, at least you can be confident that everything that you did was at your full effort and that there's not anything you're wishing for back. You join this national team as a 16-year-old, and I would assume that there's lots of turns and twists in order for you to get there. It was not an easy, straight, linear shot to join that national team at age 16, was it? No, not necessarily. I mean, I think for both of us, we made a lot of the early youth national teams, but I certainly was not expecting to be invited to join and train with the actual senior national team. So I think... For me, once I joined the senior national team, that's where more of the adversity came in terms of like trying to prove myself to all these older, really established, really famous players in the water polo world. In the U.S., the difference between high school water polo and college water polo is just pretty drastic, in my opinion. So I hadn't had that experience. So I think that that was probably the hardest part for me. And just gaining respect, you know, any 16-year-old that walks on a team with 30-year-olds, I think reasonably so, they're going to look at you and be like, eh. I don't know. We'll see what you can do. I mean, they're all super kind, obviously, but gaining that respect is another thing. When we return, after winning gold at the Olympics, what was it like for the Fishers to return to campus? Yeah, I think at times it was hard. During those two years that we took off for Tokyo, committed pretty much everything to, you know, one singular goal, which is to become an Olympian again and to win another gold medal. And then you do it, and it's great, and then you're like, okay, what now? Part of the game, we'll be right back. Trying to lower your bad cholesterol isn't easy. Kale and spinach? Okay, let's pick up the pace. Remember to take your statin. But today, it's possible to go from struggle to cholesterol success with Lecvio. Proven to lower bad cholesterol with just two doses a year after two initial doses. You've got this. So if you're ready for a change, ask your doctor about adding Lecvio. Prescription Lecvio in glycerin is given by a doctor for people who, along with diet and a statin, need help lowering their bad cholesterol, LDLC. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, and chest cold. Results may vary. Learn more at Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about twice-yearly Lecvio. That's L-E-Q-V-I-O. And now back to Heart of the Game. Aria and Mackenzie Fisher both followed in their parents' footsteps and went to Stanford, where they had an immediate impact. 
The sisters won three national championships with the Cardinal. McKenzie is the driver, Aria playing two-meter, the center-forward position. They both won the Coutinho Award, given to the top water polo player in the country. And by the time their college careers ended, Aria was the school's fifth all-time leading scorer. Number one was her sister, Mackenzie. So you win Olympic gold medals before you enroll at Stanford, correct? Yeah. Yes. I went back to high school after Rio, so I still had a year <laughs> left at high school. <laughs> and not that you're the first to do that, but what's that like to go back to Laguna Beach High School with a gold medal in your pocket or around your neck? It was a little bit weird. I was a little bit of a nerd, so I I definitely got more attention after I brought my Olympic gold medal back. But I would say going back to high school water polo was an adjustment because if international water polo is the most physical and most aggressive, high school water polo is the least. And so I definitely had to tone my game back down because I was, you know, the big international center coming back to a high school game. Um, so it was definitely a little bit of an, an adjustment coming back, but it was super fun because I got to be a leader in a way that I got to learn from my U.S. teammates, my U.S. captains, and kind of bring that back to my high school team. So you win these gold medals, you go back to high school. Mackenzie, you're ready to enroll. Mom and dad have gone to Stanford. Is it a foregone conclusion that you were going to go to Stanford? I think in the back of my mind, I probably always was going to go to Stanford. I mean, I think it's just the perfect combination of both academics and athletics. And for our family as well, academics was also hugely important. But I think for a period of time, I actually did consider going to UCLA just because my best friends on the national team all went to UCLA. But I think when it actually came down to making the decision, Stanford was pretty much the only thing I was considering. Aria, I assume you you wanted to continue to play with your sister, so it was just natural that you would follow her to Stanford? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I pretended like I was considering other schools, but I really wasn't. I wanted to continue to play water polo with Mackenzie, so I knew that if I got into Stanford, that's where I would go. Just to talk a little bit about what you accomplished at Stanford, not only did you win national titles, but you each won the Coutinho Award, which is given to the best water polo player in the country. That's got to feel pretty darn good to be recognized on that level that your Stanford career was not exactly an afterthought to what you accomplished in the pool on the international stage. It was still pretty darn good. Oh, yeah. And playing college is an entirely different game and a unique experience on its own. But I think Ari and I both had fun, you know, kind of taking on an entirely different role in that team and then stepping back into national team and playing an entirely different role in that. Aria, because you and Mackenzie both took some time off Was it hard to sort of re-enter each time to come back to Stanford and join in with your teammates there? Yeah, I think at times it was hard. During those two years that we took off for Tokyo, committed pretty much everything to, you know, one singular goal, which is to become an Olympian again and to win another gold medal. And then you do it and it's great. And then you're like, okay, what now? I'll speak for myself, going back to Stanford as someone who should have already graduated, you feel old, uh, you're going back into a team that you don't really know because it's been two years. So it's a little disorienting at first. But I think part of the reason I kept on doing it and loved the Stanford experience was because of my teammates there and because of the community that it provides there. You know, obviously because my sister was on the team and and that was really important to me playing with her, but also because, yeah, your teammates will pick you up on a bad day in or out of the pool and be there for you. And that's something that's so irreplaceable about sports and about water polo. 
The outsider might say, well, oh, come on. It's pretty obvious that this is what Mackenzie and Aria would do. Mom and dad played. They played at such a high level. And they might say that about so many family dynamics where sons and daughters have followed their parents into professional sports. But it just isn't that easy. It's not just about the DNA, is it? No, it's not. To me, I'm, I'm all about the uh, passion and desire. If you have a passion and desire for something and it's unrelenting, you can take that a long way. You don't need an Olympian as a parent. Do you ever marvel at what's been accomplished by Mackenzie and Aria and pinch yourself and sort of maybe you're a little bit surprised given how difficult it is to reach the peak of a sport? The amount of winning that they have done is absolutely astounding and mind-boggling. And yeah, I mean, just talking to it right now, I'm getting goosebumps just remembering all those achievements. It's just, it is unbelievable for me. They've just crushed it. The Fisher sisters have stepped out of the competitive end of the pool and put an end to their record-setting careers. Aria is now pursuing a screenwriting career, while Mackenzie is in the process of getting a master's in mechanical engineering at Stanford. But as the 2024 Paris Olympics approach, would they have second thoughts about retiring? As you both are, do we use the R word? Do we say retired? Yeah, we say retired. You're young, aren't you guys? Why, like, why, why are you done? I've seen ads for, for Paris 2024. <laughs> why aren't you getting back in the pool and, and giving it one more shot and going for a third gold medal? Yeah, and that's, that's honestly the question I get the most. Like, why are you quitting while you're maybe at the top of your physical fitness? But I think for me, my happiness will always be first for myself. And I think that knowing when to move on is really important. And I think for me, I just wasn't as in love with water polo anymore as I was when I was 16. And I think doing another Olympics would have, you know, been kind of a grind in an unnecessarily harmful way. And so I think that I knew that I really wanted to explore my other passions in life. And that's the beautiful thing about going to Stanford is I majored in creative writing and fell in love with writing. And so I really wanted to pursue to screenwriting and taking that leap was a little bit difficult, but I knew that I would be happier moving on. Mackenzie, you feel as comfortable having stepped away from the pool? Yeah, I think it's very similarly to Aria. I just had so many other things that I was really excited about doing. And I kind of knew for a while that my senior year at Stanford would be the, the last year I played water polo. So I think I was, I was very at peace with that decision for a pretty long time. I also just wanted to be a normal person in the sense that, you know, have free weekends, go visit friends, go camping or backpacking if I wanted to. Just have a lot more flexibility and kind of ownership of my time is really what I was looking for because playing water polo at the international level is a huge time commitment. So I think just exploring what else the world had to offer is what I was really excited about. Given the family's involvement and passion for water polo, the way so many other families get together on Thanksgiving and play a turkey ball and a little pickup football game. When Mackenzie and Arya start missing it on Thanksgivings, will that be the Fisher way? You know, find a local pool and hop in and play a family game of water polo on Thanksgiving? I would love that. That would be bad for him. <laughs> that would not be good for me. You know, I used to get in the water with the girls and play and, and do swim sets with them. And, you know, obviously when they're young, I could pretty much trounce them but they got to the point where they started really started to beat me in everything so we're not going to do the pool but we will 
get on the pickleball court. That's where we get our family competitive uh, energy. It always comes back to pickleball today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously, it's swept America. Swept America. Eric, if you're not in the pool, at least competitively or even recreationally with your daughters, how do you stay in shape today? I've consistently stayed in the pool. So I, I swim. I do go to the gym still and love to hike, surf a little bit. And then now we started playing pickleball and uh, probably play a little too much pickleball for my joints <laughs> and uh, elevated age status. But uh that keeps me going. And also you lawn bowl. <laughs> Don't forget the lawn bowling. True. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. They're really throwing you under the bus now. <laughs> they really love the lawn bowling thing. They like to throw that out there. It's funny you mentioned joints and how you maybe now are paying the price for it on pickleball. I was going to say that no matter how physical water polo may have been in your day, particularly on the international level, that by virtue of being in the water, your body is probably in pretty good shape even as an elite athlete at this age, because you weren't taking the impact that other athletes were. Yeah, you've read that correctly. I think for the most part, it's pretty benign on your body long-term. The only thing exception is maybe like hips. You just have so much weight being pushed on you and the, and the angle on your hips. So hips is the only thing that I think kind of turns into a little bit of a longer-term liability. But other than that, it's a pretty benign sport as far as keeping you in good shape to be mobile for a long, long time afterwards. When you swim at great lengths, you burn through the calories, so you can generally eat a lot. Have you had to change your diet over the years? I have largely not had to change my diet, I think because I've got some genetics that are pretty pretty helpful there. My, my mom is this lean, mean, fighting machine, and uh, I seem to have picked up that, that gene from them. There's a certain group in our family that are just long, tall, and skinny. I do eat better than I than I did when I was younger, that's for sure, but doesn't seem to be out of necessity. We talked to your dad a little bit about conditioning and the transitioning from the pool to a life without being quite as intense. What have each of you done differently now that you're not in the pool six days a week working off all these calories and such? Have you changed your diet at this point, Mackenzie? Yeah, so I think I took about a year off of no exercising and then realized that that probably wasn't the most sustainable thing in the planet. So for the last three months, I've been doing yoga. I've been running a little bit. I'm naturally pretty outdoorsy, so I consider that exercise as well. I'm always camping or hiking or trying to rock climb, uh, emphasis on trying. But yeah, just trying to move my body a little bit more. And then from a diet perspective, even in the pool, that's never really been a focus of mine. And I really enjoy eating the things that I want to eat and plan on continuing to do that. And I think kind of like my dad said, I, I think I'm naturally blessed a little bit from the, the gene standpoint where um, luckily I haven't really had to worry about that that much. But I've exercised for three months in a row now. So I think I think we're trending positively. <laughs> <laughs> Aria, you're in London, you're studying, you're pursuing a screenwriting career. Are you swimming? Are you running? Are you lifting? Are you hoverboarding? I don't know. <laughs> I'm actually looking to get into lawn bowling, but I can't find any good clubs over here. So <laughs> oh, maybe my dad can 
hook me up with that. But <laughs> there's a lot, no, a lot of good clubs over there. I, <laughs> I exercise honestly mostly now for my mental health more than anything. It's always been a super big like release for me in terms of that. So I've been running, I've been doing some Pilates, some yoga as well. I think I'm going to join a gym as well over here. And as far as eating goes, I think athletics places an overemphasis on like what we eat and clean eating in general. And I think that honestly, like Mackenzie, I just intuitively eat. I just eat what I want when I want. And I think that's super healthy. Give me one thing that you will take from the pool that you know will serve you the rest of your life. My relationship with Mackenzie, we got so much closer. And I think that sisterly bond of having to go through really tough times and really hard moments and also having the highest of highs at the same time of winning two Olympic gold medals together, of winning a bunch of national championships together, of being there through all those moments, that's something that the game has given me. Mackenzie, one thing you'll take from the pool that will serve you through the rest of your life. Follow that. <laughs> yeah, this is kind of hard yeah, to follow no up. Kidding. And I don't want to be <laughs> redundant. So obviously um, my relationship with Aria, but I also think my relationship with my teammates, some of my closest friends were made on national team. Knowing how to work on a team with other people from different backgrounds, different beliefs is something that you're kind of forced to do on teams and something that will continue to show up later in life. Dad, you have the perspective of time, the rear view mirror. What was the one thing that you got out of the pool that you've been able to count on through the course of your life? For me, it's the discipline of doing something that's hard that you may not want to do. And even if you're not doing it well on that particular day, you come back the next day. So that's, for me, it's kind of the takeaway as an athlete, as a parent, kind of the pride and joy of watching what Mackenzie and Aria have accomplished and they far exceeded anything I've ever done and I couldn't be happier. Eric, I'll ask you this first, which is, what does the heart of the game mean to you when you think about water polo, when you think about competitive athletics at such an elite level? What does the heart of the game mean to you? Oh my gosh. Um, I think the heart of the game from a competitive standpoint, I think it's, it's, it's a couple things. You gotta have that competitive fire, passion, if you don't have passion for what you're doing, you know, you're just not going to be able to sustain the, the input that you have to do to be successful. And then honestly, you have to have some opportunity. So you can be a, you can be a great athlete that's fired up and determined and loves the game and super competitive. But if you don't get that opportunity to, to make your mark, it may not happen for you. You may not get to the level you want. So I think those three things really kind of encompass the heart of competition for me. Mackenzie? This is a hard question, but I think if I had to pick one word, it would it would definitely be grit. I think water polo is a gritty, unglamorous sport at times, and it really oftentimes comes down to just who wants it more, who's going to put in more effort, and then also just like selflessness and being a good teammate. Aria, heart of the game. It's grit, it's passion, it's determination, it's opportunity, but it's also everything that comes with athletics, which is the community and the opportunity where athletics takes you essentially, whether it's to the Olympics or or to college and the impact it has on the world in general is something that's almost immeasurable. Every parent dreams of seeing their children succeed in something they love. Eric Fisher was able to watch his Mackenzie and Aria learn the sport that taught him so much and achieve success beyond his wildest expectations at the Olympics and at Stanford. 
They may be done chasing championships, but the Fisher family water polo dynasty will live on. On the next episode of Heart of the Game, we'll hear from volleyball powerhouses Logan and Shay Eggleston on the pressure of being a student athlete and keeping up with your mental health. There's so many mental things that come along with being an athlete. If you want to play, you have to make sure you're eligible and that you're performing well in the classroom. But then on top of that, you also need to make sure you're taking care of yourself as a person and as a human being. Heart of the Game is a production of Ruby Studio from iHeartMedia. Our show is hosted by me, John Frankel. Our executive producer is Matt Romano. Our EP of post-production is Matt Stillo. Our supervising producer is Nakia Swinton. This show was edited by Sierra Spreen. Our writer and researcher is Mike Avila. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. It's possible to go from struggle to cholesterol success with prescription Lecvio in glycerin. Given by a doctor for people who, along with diet and a statin, need help lowering their bad cholesterol, LDLC. Common side effects were injection site reaction, joint pain, and chest cold. Results may vary. Visit Lecvio.com or call 1-833-537-8462. Ask your doctor about Lecvio. 